And right now, we totally understand that in the busyness of life, that, that when you choose to follow Jesus, he absolutely does make your life better, but he makes you better at life also. And um, you know, we unashamedly wanna say from the off that we don't wanna ever wanna do anything other than point you towards Jesus. But I think that tonight, as we bring to a close our current series that's been called Most Often, because what we've been doing over recent weeks is we've been looking at areas of our life that affect us most often and just asking the question and saying like, can I do that better? Like with God's help walking alongside me, can I do that any better than I'm currently doing right now? And if you've not maybe been in church before or maybe not been around for a few weeks, then you can easily catch up online. Just check out liverpoolonechurch.com and we can bring you totally up to speed with all of the subject matters that we've been talking about. Because tonight what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about a topic that affects every single one of us, right? We're gonna be talking about family life. Because I believe that sometimes one of the most difficult areas that affects all of our lives, it can be the way in which we relate to our families, husbands, wives, maybe if you're a parent with your kids, maybe if you're planning to get married or you're in the process of thinking about, am I gonna date? And then you're trying to weigh up what's that actually going to look like. So we just wanted to have a really relaxed and informal talk, a conversation about some of these issues that affect us all for sure. But let me start off just by making a statement really on behalf of Emma and I. We do not profess at all to be experts in this subject, okay? I don't want anybody, because I, I know how this works, it's so easy to come into a church environment and kind of just sit there and question everything and be like, well, what makes him a voice on this? Or what makes her think that she can be a voice about how I can do marriage better or how I can parent better? Well, the bottom line is this, sometimes we feel like we make more mistakes than most, right? So we're not talking, especially my wife, Emma, right? Um, so we're certainly, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I, I just wanna talk from a place of trying to say, look, we don't sit here tonight saying we've got this all together and we've got this all right, but rather, just like you, we're on a journey. And if you're like me, you'll probably find and feel that it's so much easier sometimes to lean in and to learn from someone else's life who's just doing the journey in the similar way to you are. So we're not trying to make out that we've got this perfect 2.4 family thing going on and we've made a ton of mistakes, some bigger and more significant than others. Um, but you know, we've learned some stuff along the journey. We've been married for about I don't know, 15 years now, and um, we've got three boys, Joash, Isaac, and Solomon, and we've kind of learned to deal through the changes in seasons, I think would be fair to say. You know, education, primary school, high school, sixth form, university, now jobs, and all of that sort of stuff coming into play. And we also know what it's like to live an incredibly busy life. I mean, for those of you who've maybe been to the church before and heard me speak, you may have heard me reference that my career and background was so solely and entirely in the police. So we know the stresses that come with being busy and doing shift work and all of that sort of stuff. And we, di we didn't grow up with the plan and the aim of one day being ministers of a church. We just, I, I, I don't even know how did that even happen. It just sort of like, it just became a thing. And now we're like, oh yeah, this is the thing that we do now. And um, so I'm saying all of that just to try and qualify to you that we're not here saying that we're experts or we've got it all together. 
but we've learned a few things that might be helpful. So you can just take what you like and then spit out the bones and hopefully we'll be able to point you to some scripture to see how you can apply that into your life. And hopefully it will enable us all to follow Jesus more effectively and to bring him glory with regards to the way in which we relate to one another at home and in our workplaces and with our kids and in our marital relationships. So why don't you start off, Emma, by telling us how this is going to work? What's the uh, proposal right now? Yes, so I think for for all of us in here, um, you know, we all belong to a family. Even if you choose to walk away from the family, we are all either someone's parent or we are somebody's child. And we are brothers and sisters and mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and you know, throw into the mix of that blended families. It's like family is anything but straightforward, right? Family comes with dysfunction, complication, and um, secrets in the closet. And though we come together and we are all under this umbrella tonight of church, today of church, you know, the, the truth is within this room, we are doctors and lawyers and solicitors and policemen and hairdressers and mothers and fathers and single parents and stay-at-home parents, employed and unemployed. We are a mix of people. But the one thing that we do all have in common is we belong to a family. And that family isn't always as functional as we perhaps would like it to be. And none of us can escape the fact that we do belong to family. And I don't think that it's spoken often enough about within the church. And we've got a small snapshot into the window of your life tonight. So we are not going to be able to cover the various multitudes of topics that um, family life brings. But I think we can just start off by talking about some very practical things. Because I think one thing about the church is people come to church and we put on a front a bit like an Instagram picture. We're all fine. We all just put our makeup on and brush our hair and we're fine. But we go home and behind closed doors, actually, there's a barrage of dysfunction, but we don't talk about it within the church because we think the church is going to judge us or criticise us or talk about us, which historically has probably happened. But you know, one of the people in the Bible that we take great lessons learning from is King David. And King David, he's the boy, you know, who slew the, um, the giant with his slingshot and his stone. He's the boy that rose to be king. He was the war hero. He was the one anointed by God. We learned so many lessons. And yet David, this war hero, this king, this anointed one, came from one of the most dysfunctional families ever written about. Because family isn't new to God, right? You know, the dysfunctions that we're going through today were back then. David was uh, set apart from his brothers, did very much ostracised from his family. He grew up as a young man. He struggled massively with lust. He then went on to have an affair. He then went on to have several children to several different women. And the dysfunction and immoral behaviour within his family was shocking when you read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. It's quite a gripping book. And so all this dysfunction went on in David's family. And then his youngest son Solomon inherited his father's lustful nature also. And, you know, yet we read about David and we don't mind reading about David because he's dead. So we don't mind telling David's story because it was thousands of years ago. 
But if David was in church today, we'd want him publicly stood up and named and shamed. We'd want him stepped down out of his ministry. We'd want him his sin exposed. And all this happened while David was in a place of leadership, while David was in in a place of influence. And I think really... The truth of the matter is, David's are in our church. David's sitting on your row tonight. You're sitting next to David. David and his family are in the foyer drinking coffee. David and his family are in t-shirts serving us tonight. Why? Because we're human beings and we all belong to family and family has dysfunction and difficulties and problems. So we just want to say as well, it's okay. So we're going to set this up to talk tonight and um, we thought it would be kind of quirky for Luke to speak to the girls in the house and for me to speak to the guys (laughs) and we only actually noticed when we sat down this morning to do this session like show them the size of your notebook to speak to the girls this is mine (laughs) I'm speaking to the guys (laughs) I've got like 12 words and I'm I'm like I'm good I know what I'm talking about Emma. I've I've got a catalogue boys and it's coming your way boys wear your crash helmets that's all I can say so that's what we thought would be fun to do and so Luke you 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 take this away and and speak to us and what what and I also kind of just make this point it's not just about being married and having a wife or having a husband maybe potentially you are looking to get married and you're looking or maybe you're single or maybe you're just dating I had a young man come up to me this morning 17 years old he said I have just started dating and that really helped me so I hope it helps you too so Luke why don't you tell us what does a guy look for in a good or godly wife she gotta be smoking hot (laughs) that's probably not helpful because neither is that biblical so we're gonna delete that little bit okay that's just a me moment okay I'm sorry don't hold it against me you know um I I think that I think that relationships are such a complex thing right and um there's so much that scripture has to talk on this issue you know if I'm going to speak just to the girls for a moment, just to all you ladies. I know that for sure that when it comes to trying to be your absolute best, maybe some of you are familiar with quite a common passage of scripture, or maybe if you're in church tonight for the first time, you've not heard of this particular book. But in the Old Testament, there is this book and it's called Proverbs. And there are 31 chapters of Proverbs, which is kind of ironic because it's almost like someone designed it to be that way so that we'd have one chapter per day to read perhaps. And it's just this book of just brilliant wisdom, insights into how to do life better when you choose to do it God's way. And in this book, there are so many amazing golden nuggets of information that will help you to do relationship better, help you to be a better employer, a better employee, to handle your finances better, how to be a better dad. It's all contained within this book. But relationally, what tends to happen quite often is that girls will often refer to what's referred to as the Proverbs 31 woman that's kind of like this passage of scripture that encourages you girls like how to be. Um, you know, how to be a noble woman for that's desired by a man. And I think that it's amazing what that entire chapter says, but sometimes we can get drawn in on the idea of being a woman who is like fine jewellery. And yet we miss out some of the very practical 
insights that are available to us all and contained within that passage of scripture. For example, I just wanna read this short verse to you and it talks to you girls about how to be relationally with a man, with a husband. And it just says this in verse 12. It says, she brings good. Now, in my Bible, in yours, you can do it too. Just underline that, highlight that, circle that word, that she brings good to him and not harm all the days of her life. And it's almost like the writer is wanting to encourage you girls and say, hey, listen, what you bring in to your husband's world is actually a matter of choice. You're gonna either choose to bring good to him or harm to him. And I think that the writer's trying to encourage us to say, you're gonna have to have some honest and open conversation to find out what good is in the eye of the recipient. In other words, don't be good towards him according to what you believe is good, but find out what he perceives to be good and then try and be that to him, try and be consistently good towards him. Now, I guess that sometimes with scripture, things can kind of sound a little bit vague and we can all wrestle then and say, well, what does that even mean? I mean, like practically break that down for me. You know, there are so many areas of all of our relational lives that at times just get super stressy. But imagine if you had the type of marriage or the type of relationship that no matter what was going on externally around you both, that if his heart towards you and if your heart towards him was one that had already determined to be good and kind and considerate towards one another, like how much easier would that make your marital life? I mean, relationally, I think there's not one of us that would say, man, that would be a terrible thing. And I think that the writer's trying to encourage us and just say, just make sure from day one that what you choose to bring to him is not hardship or not cruelty or not having a go or not consistently nagging and telling him off for all the things that he hasn't done. Because hey, us boys, we're all the, all the same. We, we forget everything, honestly. Like, like, Emma can ask me to do something and 30 seconds later, I'm like, yeah, I haven't even got a clue what she's just asked me to do. And at times I feel terrible about that. But you know what I've found is that she's incredibly gracious with me. And it's almost like I feel that she's decided in her heart that she's not gonna live a life as she so easily could do, constantly pulling me up for everything that I get wrong. But it's like she's chosen in her heart already ahead of time before I make an error, before I make a mistake, to be good and kind-hearted to me. And I'm just saying that I've really found that to be of huge benefit. And girls, if we can employ that same way of thinking, because you've got to build in your marriages the very thing that you don't want to run away from. You've got to try and build it so it's something that you actually love being a part of. And that's down to you guys. That's down to you both. You make that choice. You know, I don't want to kind of go there too early on and I understand that for some of you who maybe are in church for the first time, this can feel like a little bit of a first date and this is a bit awkward if we go too deep too early. But, but just let me say to all of the ladies just for a moment that every single man in this room is all the same in the sense that we all on a whole deal with this pendulum shift of living between love and lust. And it's probably the biggest struggle that most men encounter. And all I wanna say is that, that you girls, you ladies of the house, 
You can so be such a blessing to him, especially within the safety and the confinements of a marital home and of a marital union, because you can really help ensure that he doesn't live a life living in lust, but rather he remains completely in love with you. And it's unfair sometimes, and I've heard people say this, you know, like, oh, my husband's looking at this, or my husband's doing this, or he's being this way. And I'm not trying to say that he shouldn't be responsible for that, because he absolutely should be. But sometimes you girls can talk in a way that makes it out like that that's his problem, when actually it's not. When you choose to become man and wife, his problem now jointly become both of your problems. It's not his issue, it's your issue together to help work out and fix out. And I just wanna try and say, I'd wanna encourage you that when you choose to be kind-hearted and good to one another, that that issue is absolutely surmountable because um, you've gotta help each other manage expectations. You know, if you were to ask the advice of a counsellor, a relationship counsellor, which we aren't, absolutely not, but they will always talk about how there's two problems um, that repeatedly come up in a relationship. The guy always says, we don't have enough sex or it's not how I want it to be. And the girl ordinarily will say things like, well, I just don't feel like I'm emotionally engaged with him and he isn't, physical with me unless he wants something from me. And that creates like this huge chasm. But you know what? I look at that and just look at that scripture and I say, but that's so easy to fix, right? Because if you just learn the art of conversation and be good and kind-hearted to one another, does that not resolve that issue and that tension there or then? And I would much rather have a couple of hard and difficult conversations if it was going to give me a great couple of decades. That makes total sense to me, right? I mean, that's a long time, right? But, you know, we won't go there. But all I'm trying to say is that you should be willing to just engage in hard conversations, but in a good and kind-hearted way so that you both end up winning. Because Amos talks about like, if two people are gonna walk together, then they should first agree. So if you guys are gonna get married or if you are married, you should talk to each other in a way that's gonna help you both manage the expectations that you have. Because when you talk openly about that, it makes it so much easier to be kind-hearted and show good to your spouse. So maybe that will help some of you girls, but. Tell them, tell them the story you were telling earlier about on, when we went on holiday. Uh, yeah, okay. So my wife has these problems and um, <laughs> we were talking about how like sometimes it's super difficult to, to like just make sure that you're on the same page relationally. And that is actually the biggest struggle in any marriage, just like constantly like you know, continually pressing the control alt delete button and that reset button to onboard each other onto the same page. And we were on holiday and we'd had an amazing time, I thought. We'd been away for two weeks and honestly, we had like, it was just peaceful bliss. We had so much fun and all the kids were happy and we were doing water sports. We ate out every night. We had some red wine and watched the sunset. It was just, it was just incredible. And then on the day before we were due to fly, we're like looking out across the ocean, lying on this beach bed thing. And Emma just kind of goes to me and says, I'm so disappointed in you. And I'm like going, really? Like, did I not make, bring you a coffee? What went wrong? And she was like, no, honestly, like I am so upset. And I'm like, really? Like why? And she goes, this holiday is just not being what I thought. And I'm going, really? Because I've loved it. And she's going, no, no, no. The thing is, is, You've not dreamt with me once. And I was like, I'm not what? Like, 
What even is that? I don't even know what that is. And she goes, we were supposed to come away and we were supposed to dream together for two weeks. And I'm going, honestly, hon, I don't even know what that is. Like, I have no idea. Like, that idea, if I ever dream, it's when I'm fast asleep, I promise you. And like, I don't even know what that is. And I think that it just enabled a lot of honest conversation to try and engage us both in managing expectations because she perceived us going away to be one way and I, I was all about the sun and the sea and the blue sky and Emma was like wanting to dream about us but Emma was wanting to dream stuff so um, I think <laughs> your turn <laughs> so why don't you speak to all the boys I flipping will yeah. I've got a few things to say to all the boys so you boys might have figured out that we are different to you. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we are wired completely different and it is not our fault. Take it up with your maker. You know, because we are wired differently to you, that means that the way we receive love and perceive love is very different to the way that a man receives love and perceives love. And, um, you know, Psalm 37 says that God gives you the desires of your heart. And we often interpret that means that God will give me what I desire, like I'm desiring a Caribbean holiday. Is that what God's going to give me? It's not what the scripture means. It means that God places the desires within your heart. So the things that you desire are God given. So, so the way that a woman would receive affection is different. The way she feels valued and validated is different to the way a man feels valued and validated because God has put different desires in our emotional mechanism. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, dwell with your wives with understanding. There is no scripture that says dwell with your husband with understanding because he's black and he's white. It's yes and it's no. It's as straightforward as they come. But a woman is such a complex creature, guys, that I'm really sorry, but the Word of God says that it's your place to understand her. If she's crying, find out why. If she's happy, get to know why. If she's not speaking to you, you need to know why. Understand your woman. And so, I wanted to just make reference to a few things that I believe that every woman needs in her life to feel valued, to feel validated by her guy. And, and I think you know the score, right? Happy wife, happy life. And so uh, this is going to help you. This is not, this is going to help you. Because like Luke said, we all want to build marriages and relationships that we want to stay in. We don't want to build marriages and relationships that we're trying to run away from. The first thing is a woman needs to be respected. And that's high up in her um, standards. But it's not just about her and what she wants. It's actually what God requires from you within the marriage, within the dating relationship. It's a requirement of God. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you, so that nothing will hinder 
your prayers. I think that's amazing. There's an actual instruction in there from God that says when you disrespect your wife, when you do not show your woman respect, it hinders your prayer life. So you can busy yourself praying about your finances. You can busy yourself praying about your business. You can take this issue and that issue before God. But I promise you, if you are not respecting the woman that you've chosen to partner your life with, the Word of God says that your prayer life will be hindered. And um, the way that you show respect, it's showing her that she has self-worth and you know, showing her that she has self-worth, being helpful, particularly when she needs help. Um, you know, it says that the woman is the weaker vessel and we're not going to get into that whole female, male, ego, equal rights thing. It's just talking about we are made differently. Men are made stronger physically, but they're made stronger in other areas as well. And it's the role of the man to take care of the woman. And, um, and so it also means like, don't, don't make her out to be a nuisance when she can't figure something out or when she needs help. Don't make her out to be a fool. And it's so easy to do this. I live in a house full of boys, okay? And, and sometimes I feel like I'm struggling just to keep myself afloat in this chaotic ship. And you know, if we get a new control, remote control for our TV, somebody may as well have landed a spaceship in the living room because I look, like, look at that thing like, I haven't got a clue, but sometimes they can be so short with me, like, oh, what you like? Why don't you know? And it's like, don't be short with us when we don't understand your world and your way of thinking. Be respectful. Are we okay? Appreciate your wife. You only add value to yourself when you show appreciation to your wife. She is a gift from God. A good woman is a gift from God. So she needs to be appreciated. And even though we know that you men speak less, you communicate less, you maybe express your ways of love less obviously than us girls, I believe that true love has a way of, of um, showing appreciation. I, think, I don't think anybody can say they are truly in love and that man not show appreciation to his appreciation to his woman anywhere because when a woman is unappreciated it can feel if you are in a marriage and you are unappreciated you can feel lonelier than a single person does because that's how unappreciation makes you feel. And it's actually a very dangerous place for a woman to be because the wiring and the DNA and the fabric that God has made us up with is he's, he's, he's put this, built this system into us where we thrive off affirmation and appreciation. It's just what women do. You'll see women, what are they doing all the time? They're hugging each other. I like your handbag, I like your hair. Da, 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 da. We thrive off validation, appreciation, affirmation. It's what women do. So when a woman is not getting that off her husband, she will naturally go and seek it out somewhere else. And that's really not great in a marriage. So make sure you're the one who's showing your wife appreciation. But I can't say it. Appre <laughs> yeah, show her. Anyway, be a gentleman, but be a gentle man. 
A lot of men think that being a gentle man is a weakness and it's, it's not cool and it's not manly. I'm the man. But you know what? The, 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 uh, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 19, do not be harsh with your wife. Men should treat women with tenderness and kindness. I think there is nothing more ugly than when a man speaks harshly to a woman or more to the point to his wife. When he speaks in an unkind way, when he's harsh, when he uses words that are demeaning and condescending, when it's, it's just, when, it, when it's unkind, when it's disrespectful, when he's irritable. You know, we're all going to get irritable in life, but you cannot take that out on your wife. And this is one of the reasons why, because you guys have this thing raging around your body called testosterone. And testosterone is that, uh, you know, it just is, it, it, it's the man in you. But when you are being, speaking harshly to your wife, when you raise your voice, when you come home with a mood on you, when you feel like being harsh, when you start shouting, that testosterone comes flooding out. And let me tell you, it's intimidating and it's frightening. And so men, you should not speak harshly to your wives. You need to learn the art of being kind. And my last one, boys, before you all crawl out the back of the room, be a good listener. Really be a good listener. I know that when she speaks, you hear blah, 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 blah. That's why he can't remember what I've said. Because all he's heard is the blah, blah, blah. So you hear with these ears, but you listen in here. In amongst her thousand and one words, she's trying to say something. So hear what she has to say. It is in the fabric of a woman to talk. She needs to talk. I can't honestly, you want to know anything about my life? You see my dog. She will tell you everything. Because I have to talk. So if no one else in the house is going to listen, I'm going to pour my heart out to that dog. And she's going to know everything. Women need to talk. And all I ask is that, you know what? Just be a good listener and hear the heart of what it is that she is trying to say. So, okay, we're speaking about family in terms of husband and wife. What about parenting? What do we sort of think about how maybe scripture can help us or teach us or advise us to parent our children. What are our yeah, thoughts on that? Can we not talk about epic parent fails because we'd be brilliant. Hey, this is true. You know what? One of our boys, we've got like this boys WhatsApp group and like our three kids are in it. I don't think you are actually in it, are you? Are you in that group? I don't read it if I am. You don't read it, okay. And um, one of the boys sent me this image on Friday, not even knowing that this talk was coming up. And um, it was a screenshot of a quote by a guy called Eugene Patterson that wrote a translation of the Bible called The Message. It's incredible. You should check it out. And it's just a screenshot of something that he says. And it was just this message. You know, when you open the message, you just go, hmm, really? So I get this message and it just said, if you're succeeding as a pastor, but failing as a father, you're failing as a pastor. <laughs> my message and my response back was do your room before I mash your head. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what we've got to say about parenting <laughs> at all. I, I say this to say, you know what? We, we've, 
you know, our, our youngest is 13, our oldest is in his 20s, three boys, and I'm like, they're all alive. I think we've done pretty well. Uh, just for them to survive thus far, I think that makes me a pretty good parent. But this I do know is that when we as adults don't heal from our past, we infect our children with the same dysfunctions and disease that we have been inhibited with all of our lives. We have to find a way of healing. And for those of us that have a faith in Christ, we know how that works. But we may have come from dysfunctional families and we may have come from problematic backgrounds, parents that walked out, people that have abandoned us. Maybe there's abuse, there's hurt, let down, epic parent fails. But if we harbour that and if we truly, so if you're a young adult in here today and you've been hurt by a parent, I encourage you, you go and speak with somebody who has a strong faith in Christ, who's further on their journey than you, and you set yourself up strong and you begin to heal from that issue. Because if you don't learn to heal, you will take that dysfunction into your future and into your future family, your future children. And so it is important that we heal. Um, children are a gift from God. And I think one of the questions that I know that you're asked quite often is how you balance um, work life, church life, family life, you know, what's the right thing with working and raising a family and how much should you be at work, how much should you be at home, all of that. I think that that's probably a tension that every guy in the room perhaps sometimes feels the pressure of, you know, you've, and we hear all this language now about work-life, home-life balance and, you know, how do you make sure that you're always there so that your kids don't grow up dysfunctional and all of that sort of stuff. And sometimes we feel the pressure of, man, am I around enough? Am I giving enough, like, emotional support? And am I, am I doing all of those fatherly things that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm like man I don't know but I think that whilst I would probably say that we're not experts in gaining a right amount of balance I would say that for us I think this is kind of accurate that that's never really been our goal our goal has never been about creating a healthy balance it's just about creating a healthy family and the reason why I say that is because what's balanced for you will probably not be balanced for me and vice versa you know, we, or if we were to take a snapshot of our life, we don't have the type of lifestyle that we all sit down at a dinner table and do dinner six nights a week. You know, I know that that happens in some households and that's amazing, but it's just not, you know, our life particularly is quite fast paced now and it's, it's got even crazier in the last maybe, I don't know, two years, so to speak. And, you know, with church and with other things we're involved in and then there's travel and our kids have always got stuff. And what I'm trying to say is if, if, if balance was the goal, like six nights a week, we have to sit down and have a family meal, like we'd be failing epically. We'd but, kill each other. We'd all kill each yeah, other. Yeah, we, we probably would actually. In fact, here's a funny story about what happened one tea time when our kids were young. And um, Actually, I respect this about you because I think that you're kind of like real stern with the boys, especially you don't do any messing. It's like you eat what you're given and yeah, you will take them all out. Like we're all scared of Emma in our house, but you've always been a certain way which says like, 
you eat what's been made. We're not making five individual meals for everybody. And um, I remember this one time, you'd made like fish pie or fish cake or something and we sat down at the table and one of our boys just walks down, sees this and goes, fish cake, punches this fish cake. The fish cake went all over the walls and all over the floor. But this is why I respect you. You like picked every fragment of fish cake off the wall and off the floor. Dog hair and all. Dog hair and everything. And you like, you made him sit there and eat the whole lot, which I'm just like, (laughs) respect. I mean, some would ring up Childline about that issue, but I kind of respect that about you. Um, So I, I just say that to kind of say, well, it's kind of funny, but the real reason why I'm trying to talk about that is to say, like go for health not balance again like manage expectations figure out what works for you and sometimes you've got to press pause in the busyness of life to just kind of press the control alt delete button again and and reset things and try and make sure that you always have some time to do fun stuff but don't worry if it's not happening you know 40 times a week I don't think that that's realistic I know that Instagram makes it look like everyone else is like in one week they're skiing snowboarding surfing and they're on the beach and then they're in school and doing work and education hey listen it's just not true and um, we're now in a different season and stage of our life where we're learning new stuff so you know at the beginning of summer we had a bit of a it was a pastoral thing but we loved we went to New York for a couple of days and we ran around that city like we were two teenagers again because it was like we hadn't really done that before and it just felt like wow this is this is fun this is cool and I'm just saying like do whatever it is that enthuses you and find whatever it is that recharges your battery you know for me every Saturday morning I go and coach kids football and um, like I don't answer any phone calls no text messages no nothing and for about a three-hour window it's just like it's just like air to my soul, you know? And I don't need a big window of that, but I, everybody needs a window. So find out whatever your thing is and just go and strive for health rather than balance. Yeah, and there's a great scripture that says, train up your child in the way it should go. And when he or she is older, they will not depart from it. And we do reference that in bringing your children up in church, like the children that we've dedicated today. And and and, and so often we believe that that scripture means you know bring them up in the house of God and I'm so glad that I did that with all of mine we're not a perfect family and I do not have perfect kids but I raised them in the word of God and in the ways of God and in the house of God and and you know, even amongst the great times and the not so great times, they are all still planted in the house of God, now out of choice, not because mum and dad say so. But you know, there are so many ways that you can bring your children up and, and uh, according to that scripture, bring them up with manners. You teach them manners. Children don't just know manners because when they're older, they'll remember their manners. You bring them up and you teach them they have to eat the vegetable or the fish pie. It's not an option train them and teach them and I hear so often like parents that really give in to their children's strange ways I had a friend that didn't go on holiday for 15 years because she said her son didn't like the aeroplane and I'm like I'm like it wasn't your mom (laughs) I'm just like 
You don't listen to what the child is telling you. You're there to train the child. The child, these children that were here today, they're like a book with blank pages waiting for the story of their lives to be written on. And you have been entrusted to be a parent to help them to write out their life. So train them to eat the vegetables. Train them in their manners. Put boundaries and borders around them. Kids, your parents have never hated you when they've put boundaries and borders in place. It's because of love. That's the reason that they do that. So there are many ways that we can we can raise our children and I know we're kind of out of time, aren't we? Yeah, time has gone. I mean, I just think it's better to be focused on the seed that you're sowing rather than the harvest that's in your hand. And when you do that and play the longer, long game and continually put God at the centre of everything that, that, that you're doing and you put in your hands to Him, I mean, it's Proverbs 3, isn't it? When you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge Him in all of your ways, then the promise, here it comes, He will make your path. He will make your relational path. He will make your parental path straight. When? When you choose to put God up front and centre. So um, uh, we hope that that's helpful. We hope that that inspires us all, all the more to just live a God-centred life and pursue the best that God has for us, especially where our families are concerned. Oh.